on the one hand, we always say, and I just read a quote like this this morning, saying strategy is king. You know, strategy is what makes or breaks your company. But then at the same time, many organizations outsource this most vital task to a consultant. Welcome to Brave New Leaders, the podcast where we dissect business strategy that brings real-life results and doesn't just look great in PowerPoint. My name is Mark Snooker. Welcome back to The Scale Up Leader, the podcast where you can learn how to scale your leadership and get results. I'm happy to welcome today Dr. Mark Snooker, strategy advisor and author of several books on strategy and innovation. Welcome on the screen there, Mark. Welcome, Mark. How are you doing? Hi, Richard. Good, good. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. And we... We've been in contact for quite some time because we happen to live in the same city, Luxembourg, right in the center of Europe. Um, right. uh, and uh, I think we, we first came across each other, coincidentally, we were speaking at the same event or we, we, we had some interaction yeah. at a director's event or something like that um, a couple of years back. And I think more recently we got in contact because of a post that we discussed around strategy. Is that about right? Is that your recollection as well? Yes, yes. Uh, so, yeah, we met at the uh, conference speaking about... Uh, what was it? Growth and scaling, rapid scaling. I think it was something like that, where we did these six, uh, six talks, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I recall that. And you, you did a good talk, and I feel like I swallowed all my words and got stunned by the lights wow. because I was too bright. <laughs> but anyway, that was a while ago. So, um, and since then, we've um, we've both ended up in a similar sort of um, uh, sort of. Uh, I guess business. You're doing strategy consulting for for clients and right. and stuff like that. And we noticed. I think we we interacted on a couple of posts. Uh, we have some people in common. Obviously, we interacted on a couple of posts on strategy because I do some strategy for my clients as well, or I help them with strategy, although it's not my core. Um, uh, and it, it's, it is your core topic. But I'd love to learn a bit more about um, what it is you do for clients. Like what what kind of pro- what kind of clients are you working with? What kind of problem do they have? Like why do they come to you? Yeah. And, sure. and what do you do? Yeah, so I mean, in general, the work that I do, it's a strategy advisory. Uh, and uh, so I help uh, CEOs and, and leadership teams uh, design and execute what I call better strategy. And maybe we can talk a little bit about what better strategy actually is. But really making sure that strategy actually, you, know, you get a good, good actionable strategy and you can uh, implement it. And my clients is uh, really across the board. So I work with um, smaller companies of say 100 people, uh, medium-sized companies, maybe 200, 300, 500 people, something like that, up to, I think the, my largest client currently is some nearly uh, close to 4,000 uh, 4, people. So yeah. and it's really across uh, yeah, across industries. And what I always say is that I, I'm, I'm not the done for you kind of strategy consultant. So you, you don't hire me so that I develop yeah. your strategy. But it's really a, a co-creative effort, and I lead the teams through processes. I structure the process. Uh, I ask the questions. I give them the tools, and then together we really uh, develop the strategy. So that's what I do. So, are the, are the clients generally the CEO and the C-suite, or are they are there strategy teams within these organizations, or is this something that you're working with a lot, uh, you know, smaller groups within the company, or who are you working with? Yeah, so usually it's the, the CEO and, and the leadership team. So very often it is the CEO who comes. So it could be the CEO of, of the company or uh, very often I also work with uh, business units or subsidiaries of, of larger groups, uh, again, which fall in this kind of um, 100, 200 to 4,000 uh, people range. And what I found is that very often these companies, so if they are small, they don't really have a strategy team. They don't have anybody who is in charge of strategy. So it is ideally the... Uh, leadership team, executive team work. And even those 
around uh, 2,000, 3,000 people. So they, they become larger. They might have somebody who is a little bit of char in charge of strategy, but then again, usually they don't really do strategy, but it's more helping uh, yeah. helping executives develop their strategies. But ideally, I work with the, the leadership team directly. Yeah, I mean, I once read somewhere that um, I don't remember who it was who wrote this because I read wrote this because I've read quite a few strategy books in the last year or so. Um, but I once read somewhere that um, uh, strategy needs to be the job of the CEO. Like it has to be. You can't right. delegate it. Um, and and obviously you can delegate aspects of strategy. And you right. used to talk about not have not outsourcing your strategy, right? Which is obviously important. Right. What, what, what's your take on this? Like like does does the strategy need to be owned by the by the CEO? And and what what goes wrong when you outsource your strategy? Maybe well, two I, I think it should be owned by the CEO. So I think it's it's a little bit of a paradox. Now, if on the on the one hand we always say, and I just read a quote like this this morning saying strategy is king. You know, strategy is what makes or breaks your company. But then at the mm -hmm. same time, many organizations outsource this most vital task to a consultant. Like I said before, a done for you consultant. So they they hire somebody to come in and then develop a strategy for them. And I think that's yeah, it's a little bit of a paradox, right? Like it's so important. Yeah. We always learned, or I learned in, in business school, that you only outsource stuff that doesn't give you a competitive advantage, right? So it's kind of uh, yeah, a little bit strange that you would outsource um, the strategy work. And uh, talking about pain points, so that's one of the pain points, actually, very often why my customers come to me is they say, well, we worked with this traditional consultant, we have this document, and then either two things happen, one of two things happens. Either they say, this is not really us, uh, so they develop the strategy and it looks good yeah. on paper, but it doesn't really feel like us and then it doesn't get implemented. Or they say, so what? Uh, so they have a, a big document, yeah. hundreds of slides. They have, uh, just the other day, I, I came across one, I think it was 160-something slides, 105 slides of analysis. Uh, and then they go a little bit into solutions, but at the end of the day, the people say, so lots of good ideas, but what are we going to do now, actually? And so, yeah, these two things happen, and then I uh, am asked to help them either redo it so that it is really their thing or help them make sense of uh, everything that has been analyzed and all the ideas that have been presented and then really come to uh, something actionable at the end of the day. Yeah. It's, I mean, I remember I had a client here, um, a good company that you may know of, um, uh, that um, uh, it was based here that I saw a strategy deck that was produced by one of the big consultancies. I mean, obviously, big consultancies are often known as strategy consultancies. You have right. you have McKinsey, Bain, and, all, and, and BCG, and then Deloitte has a big chunk of it. And then there's quite a few smaller boutique consultancies and individuals as well. This is from one of the big names. Um, right. And they produced this multi-hundred this multi page document. And I remember looking at this thinking, so this all looks quite sensible, you know, sensible analysis in yeah. some ways. but. What does it mean for what right. we do, and, and and why did we need to pay them to do it, and why doesn't it answer the real questions that we seem to be struggling with? There was a bit in there for everyone in some ways. It didn't sort of right. what it didn't do is it didn't. Uh, this particular company used to have the CEO used to basically say, well, to his uh, reports, fifteen or so reports, you guys come up with a strategy. So of course he had fifteen separate strategies that all conflicted with each other. Uh, yeah, um, and, and this document didn't. It sort of had a bit in there for everybody. <laughs> it does Yeah, right. So there's a. Uh, I wrote a post the other day about the, the seven uh, seven red flags of strategy, and this uh, to please everybody was one of them. Right. So you try yeah. and have something for everybody, and that's actually where. Um, there's a, a, a video by Roger Martin, one of the, the big management thinkers in, in strategy, who, uh, and, uh, who says that the plan is not a strategy. And he actually addresses exactly the problem that uh, you just mentioned, that there is um, uh, 
very often in strategy, there's something for everybody. Uh, so marketing wants to do this and uh, manufacturing wants to do that and sales wants to do this. And then you have a long list of initiatives and, and, and stuff that needs to be done, but it's not really a strategy. And yeah. also one of the things that teams or lots of companies complain about is that they have too many priorities, right? They just have too much stuff to do. There are too many initiatives. They don't know how to prioritize anymore. And yeah, the root cause of that is if you have that type of strategy, either you don't have a strategy or you have that type of strategy that tries to please uh, everybody. Yeah, and I guess this leads into the question of what is better strategy. You were talking about right, you know, yeah. you help people with better strategy. Obviously, that's bad strategy. And, and I've got a book just behind my head here somewhere. I can't see where it is on the screen, but it's behind my head, which is, is yeah, uh, right. Richard Rumelt's good. Uh, there it is. It's right there. It's, there it is, yeah. This one here, Richard good strategy, bad strategy. But from your perspective, what, what is better strategy? And, um, uh, and how do you yeah. differentiate and how do you get there? So I think, so my, my thinking around that also started with the, the good strategy, bad strategy. Obviously, I think that uh, Rumelt was one of the first to introduce this idea of, of challenge-based uh, challenge strategy, right? And when I, yeah. when I thought about it, it's actually... I don't know, maybe it is because we are consultants, but people usually come because they have a challenge, right? They have a problem that, that needs solving. So strategy tends to be very often this idea of uh, what's the challenge that, that needs to be solved. And interestingly, also, we, we tend to think about strategy as, you know, the next five, next 10 years. But yeah. it happens that somebody asks for, I want to think about where to take my strategy in, the next, in my company in the next 10 years. But mostly it is stuff challenges that need to be solved now right now we lacking revenues now we're not making profit now we're having issues in, in this or that market and that needs to to solve so my idea so starting or building upon Rummel's thoughts about good strategy so my idea of better strategy is really this uh, first of all you focus on your critical challenges or maybe opportunities uh, mm -hmm. that you that you see uh, instead of doing three to five year plans, you focus on stuff that you can address in the next 12 to, to 18 months. So it's a lot more uh, short term. It's also about instead of doing all these analyses and uh, benchmarking and, and looking at best practices and what competitors are doing to try to put innovation um, back into strategy. And I have a, a whole book about, about that called the, the Art of Opportunity. So how do you find opportunities for innovation and, and how do you do that? I also think that better strategy is about instead of doing it just once a year at an, at an offsite, strategy needs to become something that's, I say, always on. Uh, so yeah. you constantly think about your strategy, review your strategy, uh, maybe update your strategy. Right? So that's also an, an important thing. And then I think the, the last thing, so we talked about the, the PowerPoint documents and all of that and the analyses. And instead of doing all of that, opening up the strategy process to having a lot more conversations about strategy throughout your organization instead of having that PowerPoint and analysis, which then very often is also done behind uh, closed boardroom doors, you might say. Yeah. So, so it's really about getting getting the whole organization engaged in the strategy process and yeah. doing this on a constant basis, but having it very practical and about solving the immediate challenges um, because that's where it's going to make a difference. If you, I guess if you're doing things that are 10 years out, it's very easy to go, well, that's a wonderful strategy. Let's... Let's implement it sometime. Right now, right? So now you, you're yeah. pushing it out because something else is a lot more urgent. This, this is, is the, awesome. very often we have the discussions around this. Uh, so should strategy be short term and what about the long term? So I think that yeah. uh, there is a, a concept called zoom out, zoom in by uh, John Hegel. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so he says that you should obviously think about 
where is your industry heading to in the next 10 or, or maybe 20 years? Right? And what does your company need to look like uh, in 10 years within that context? But then again, so that's a zooming out. So you think long term, right? But then again, you bring it back to today, you zoom in. And again, you think about what can we do or what need do we need to do in the next six to 12 months? He's even shorter, right? Six yeah. to 12 months uh, that will bring us towards that, that vision. So again, you yeah. focus very much on what is needed now. And then once you reach that, uh, I always like to talk about you, you climb the first hill from that hill, you have a better perspective and then you see what the next step uh, needs to be towards your, your yeah. strength. So it's kind of like having a, having a longer term sort of goal of where you're trying to get to strategically, but focusing most of the energy on. So what do we do now? What do we do this year? Um, yeah. and, and that's that's the way the action happens. To me, this is actually really similar to the, what a lot of the work that I do because when I work with companies on OKRs or you know setting helping them set goals yeah. at the company level, you frequently enough what happens is, and this is the reason I ended up getting being involved with the strategy of my clients frequently. When they come to set the OKRs, they don't know what to set. They can't make these decisions, which is because they don't have a clear strategy. They sometimes have a long-term vision of where they want to get to and often enough. Yeah. But what does that mean for this year and now is really hard to resolve. Once you have that clear, it becomes very easy to set the objectives because in some ways it's just a crystallization of what your strategy actually is. So a concrete strategy for this year and what we're doing. So it becomes much more um, easy to do. But that's one of the reasons what prompted me to get involved and understand what strategy is, why I've read all these strategy books this year. Uh -huh. And funny enough, like over the years, I've always seen strategy as this mysterious thing. I think Rimmel, is it Rimmel or someone else? Um, I think it's Rimmel, it talks about strategy and there's strategic planning and there's strategic this and strategic that and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's this, this sort of magical, mysterious, exotic thing. And I always wanted to work for a strategy consultancy um, and, and without really knowing what that was until I started having the problem of how do we set a goal uh, what is your strategy? And we, we have to decide that. We have to make decisions. Right. Now, that's an interesting point you just mentioned. The other day, I, I spoke to a, a retired CEO and of a, a big uh, US company. Even I think they were even listed on the, on the stock market. And uh, so we were talking a little bit about strategy and, and what you did. And then at some point, he said, well, you know, when I was a CEO, I never really got my head around this thing called strategy. So I really never knew what to do or what should I make out of it? And I yeah. think, it, uh, yeah, the, this mystical uh, beast somehow, right? It can be quite yeah. complex and, and lots of people make it very complex or they make it sound very complex. Uh, and I think that's the reason why many companies don't do it in the first place, right? Which yeah. is not, it's not very helpful. And then you have all these other problems we, uh, we spoke about that you don't know what to do or what to focus on or you have too many priorities or you can't set your objectives because yeah. you don't know where to go. So, yeah, I think um, it can be it can be a lot easier though, right? So if you if you focus on a couple of core questions like uh, who is the customer, what are we offering, how are we doing this, what's our competitive advantage, why should customers come to us instead of going somewhere else, you are already starting to do strategy, right? So it, yeah. it doesn't have to be that big project or the big offsite, but just having these types of, of conversations um, can, uh, can help already a lot, right? And so this is just talking, sort of talking about opening, opening the boardroom door and getting the strategy into the organization. You're not just having those conversations among the executives. You're extending this out to the organization, which makes it much more visible and removes right. some of the mystery as well. What, what does that look like in practice? Like is, when, you, when you've worked with a company where you've actually successfully opened the door? Yeah, right. So I think there are a couple of, of key points in a, in a strategy process, let's say, where you can involve 
um, the entire organization. So I think that the first one is, so if we say strategy is about these challenges and opportunities, you can ask the organization, right? What are yeah. the challenges you're seeing? What are the opportunities that you're seeing? So you can kind of collect that input. And then obviously on, in, a, in a smaller group, probably you have to make sense of all of that and then make a decision. So here are the two, three opportunities maybe, or here are the two, three uh, challenges that we focus on. Right? Then yeah. the second time for opening up could be, well, now we have these two, three opportunities. What are your ideas for what should be the strategy to seize it, right? To seize yes. the opportunity or solve the challenge. So you can, second point where you can have it up. Um, another thing that I like doing is I like um, coming up with, uh, so if we work with a strategy team or an executive team to have a first version of the strategy. So we always talk about a draft uh, strategy. Yes. So we always say it's a draft, it's not finished, but we'd like to get you input. So then yeah. we uh, open it up, we invite people to provide uh, input. So uh, the other day we ran a couple of uh, focus groups, for example, for, for one of the, my actual clients, which so is a 2,500 people organization. And we offered sessions where people could come in. We would talk about the strategy. We would ask them, what do you like? What don't you like? What is missing? And we asked already about um, if we were to implement this, what are the challenges you see? What, what would you need to be able to implement it? So that's another point where you can um, involve people in terms of what do you need for implementation? Because usually we just say, here is a strategy now, please go implement. Right? Yeah. And then people have lots of questions and it doesn't work. Right? So that's then would be the next one, right? thinking about how can you involve people more in the, uh, in the implementation instead of just dumping this yeah. 200, point, uh, 200 slides PowerPoint document on them and then say, uh, you go figure it out. Right? So that comes then with the, with the, um, yeah, execution or activation. I, I like to talk about activating your strategy uh, and how you involve people there. Then depends always a little bit on the size of the organization. So if it's a larger organization, I would first uh, extend the, the, the team of leaders that you involve. Maybe you have some initiatives, so you need to put together teams for these initiatives. Yeah. Uh, you don't need initiatives, but you do it in your regular structure, let's say, of the organization. Then the question of how can you involve the um, the, the different units, how can you involve the functions, how do they translate the strategy into something something practical. Yeah. For and then obviously, so the last bit is that if you want to make it continuous, so you keep on having that conversation around, uh, are we doing what we said we would do, um, so what we committed to, uh, is it working, is it producing the results that we were expected to see, uh, and uh, what's the mood about strategy, uh, are people still on board, are they still, do they still believe in the strategy, right. are they still, engaged right and then you yeah. do that on a constant ongoing basis this is i mean this is really similar to um uh, a story i heard from uh, another person i interviewed actually a former client of mine um tobias one of, of zempest he's a ceo of a, of a fintech in germany they're at about 150 people they're about so it's the earlier stage but when he he joined as ceo from other companies that had never been in finance fintech before the okay. tech. um and so he had to learn a whole lot but what he did when he started was i thought was really interesting he went and interviewed everyone in the company and the board and a few stakeholders and clients and asked them basically what business should we be in? Uh, you know, how are we how are we going to win? What are we doing that we should stop? What are we doing if we should start? Um, and things like that. And sort of like by interviewing everyone, it was only 150 people, so he could get through everyone in in, in a month or two. Um, and by doing this, it sort of formed started to form an opinion of where 
we should be and where we shouldn't be, as well as engaging the people in this conversation. Oh, right. um, and I thought that was a really, when I asked him about that, I asked him, well, the question I'd asked him actually was, how did you get started and how did you orient yourself in the company? And basically he said, well, we started off by having a strategy workshop, which was like this, this is what we did. We had this process and then we brought it together with our leadership team yeah. to actually form the strategy and then bring it back to the people and have that combination thing. Yeah. But it sounds very similar to what you're talking about. Yeah, no, it's very, I think it's a very good, very good example and very sensible, especially if you come to a company and you, you don't really know it, you don't really know the industry kind of to, to learn about it. But yeah, it's a good example of how, obviously, if it's a smaller company, you can involve everybody in yeah. types of discussion. Yeah. I think, okay. I mean, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Oh, yeah, okay, so I was just going to ask, one of the things that I've noticed happens in some companies is um, people resist this idea of doing strategy work because they think, well, it's not the real work. We have to do our real work. And then, especially if you're a senior in an organization, people are like, well, I would do strategy, but I'm too busy doing my real work. And that kind of thing, this execution versus strategy thing and, and worrying about, as soon as you, one of the reasons why I've seen people hiring strategy consultants or having a strategy team in a closed room is because, well, we can we can sort of, what's the word? ring fence the strategy work there so that it doesn't distract us from our real work and the real work can go on and i don't want to invade in, in, i don't want to distract people what's your thoughts on that like you're advocating the opposite i yeah obviously that's lots of people still have this kind of uh feeling right or this kind of mindset that uh, strategy is kind of disturbing them or oh, now now we need to do that but obviously yeah we always try to get to a point where people realize that it is your daily business should be working on the strategy, right? It should be implementing yeah. the strategy. It should be solving the challenges that you see for the implementation. And uh, yeah, sometimes it's not, yeah, you need to do that, that kind of uh, switch between there's my daily business and there's strategy. It should be ideally one thing. And again, this doesn't happen if you present a 200 slide PowerPoint, right? But it happens yeah. in these uh, conversations, right? And, and really having these conversations, sitting down on a functional level, on a department level, on a team level with, okay, if this is the strategy, what does it does it mean for us, right? And then you can use. Yeah. So, for example, I, I I like using the the playing to win strategy cascade, where you think about uh, ambitions, where to play, how to win, uh, capabilities needed, and then the management system for implementing all of that. And yeah. it works really well on the on the business level, but then I found that you need to to tweak it a little bit for using it on a functional or a team level. And by tweaking it, I mean, so you can always talk about ambition. So as a team, as an HR team, uh, as an HR function, what are our ambitions? What are the objectives? Uh, you might use OKRs at this level that we want to work with. And then where to play is a little bit more about, or well, two ways you can you can go about it. So you're not, where to play is not so much about products and customers. People have some, uh, if you talk about it like that on an, on an HR level, they have challenges sometimes thinking about it like that. But you can always think about, so customers, I mean, as every department, every team, you have customers, right? It might be internal customers, some kind of stakeholders. So you think about that, and then you think about what should we offer them, uh, and, and how is it that we create value? So that's the, the how to win this. What is the, the value that we create? How are we going to do it? Uh, or you can also talk about sometimes what I like doing is you look at all the activities that are going on, and you try to, to think about, so if you look at the strategy, what are the core activities that we should be spending our time and resources on? So if you are an HR department, for example, and one of the strategic challenges is uh, hiring new talent because there is a shortage of talent. So maybe then instead of doing a lot of hiring and recruiting, you might need to focus more of your time on how do we engage and keep the people that we have happy so that they don't leave. So we don't have that much need for recruiting, for example. Right? So and that's kind of the discussion you could have on a 
uh, on an HR level, for example, on a team level, and what are the activities that we need to uh, to focus on and that we need to spend our time on? And obviously, these activities should be aligned with what is the strategy. And in this way, you kind of close that gap between there is strategy and there is day to day business. This is um, this is I mean, uh, this is you know, a lot of this is what I end up doing with OKRs as well. Like I'm actually currently writing, I'm putting together a course, a training course. Um, uh-huh. And I was just talking about exactly that topic about how my experience at Google was very interesting because we would spend the time discussing what should our OKRs be. So even right. as a junior contributor, as an individual contributor or a line manager in an organization that at the time had 6,000 people when I first started and 50,000 people when I left and now 150,000 people or more, um, you're still able to contribute to what the strategy is because you're discussing that with your stakeholders internally about what what is value, what are we trying to achieve, what's our objective, what results would be meaningful. And that's really that the strategy discussion in a really concrete way, very closely associated with what am I actually doing? What are my tasks? What am I, right. it's not, we're not discussing, we're not deciding on the tasks, but we're deciding on how should these tasks be selected in order mm-hmm. to meet, yeah. meet a goal? What's the criteria for selecting tasks? Yeah, right. And then ideally, obviously it should be aligned to the, to the bigger level uh, business strategy yeah. that we have, right? And then uh, focus, yeah, exactly. focus on these other. So one of the things I wanted, also wanted to ask you about, um, you talk recently about the three-step strategy process. There's a, a sort of a download that you have. Mm, yes. Can you just run, run us through this briefly? What What is this? Well, I think, so it's... Um, and does this, does this apply? Like, I mean, one of the things a lot of people in my network, at least, are on the smaller side of businesses. They're in 100 person, 50 person, 10 person, 200 person, 300 person, maybe 500, right? Um, uh, quite a lot of people are in that scale. I'd love to understand, does this apply at that scale as well? I, I, yeah, I, even I, I do it on a one person solo business. Right? So I right. think, yeah, now I think the, the, the steps, they always apply. Look, so when I, when I talk about in the, in the download you're, uh, you're referring to, and by the way, it's uh, available for free if you go to um, www.makebetterstrategy.com. Uh, so your listeners can, can download it there, makebetterstrategy.com. And um, so I talk about, I think on a, on a high enough level of abstraction, strategy is always about three things. It's always about you need to understand what's going on. Uh, so you need to make sense of uh, the context you're in, what's happening in my organization, what are the challenges we see. Uh, very often yeah. challenges are more internal because your, your processes are not uh, uh, up to date or your structure doesn't fit anymore what you're trying to do. So what is happening in our company? Obviously, you want to talk about what is happening around us. Uh, so you can talk about trends, where you can talk about, look at competition, what are they doing? You can look at uh, maybe new entrants, new competition that is coming up. You look at what is happening in technology these days is very important. What does that mean for us? So you try to understand what's happening. And then out of that, you distill these challenges and opportunities that we, we've spoken about. And then the second thing is you have to make decisions about how are we going to solve these challenges? How are we going to seize these opportunities or so what Rommel calls the guiding policy? So part right, of yes. what is your what is your approach? What is the strategic direction? Where you're gonna where you're gonna focus on, on how to solve these these challenges or seize these opportunities? So making decisions uh, is the the second step, and making decisions can involve brainstorming, developing options, maybe evaluating and testing some options before then you make a final decision on, on what to to implement. And then the third activity is um, taking action. So it's really yeah. about how are we going to activate it? How are we going to to implement it? Now, traditionally, if, if you look at these three, so it's always analysis, it's design, and it's 
action, if you like, right? Yep. And if you look at that, so it sounds, it's, it's not rocket science, right? But I think what is changing is that traditionally we looked at that as we need to do a lot of analysis, then we do the development, and eventually we came to the implementation. So what kind oh. of First we think and then we do, right? Yeah. And what is changing now is we want to make this, as I said, always own. So we want to make it more agile. We want to make it more iterative. So you think while you are doing, right? So you might implement something, you test something, you see the results of that. And then based on what you're seeing, you, you, take, uh, you take the next step. So that's also why I say we go away from these three, five-year plans but we focus on the next 12 months so we make sense of what's happening now what's required now we take the next step once we've taken the step we reevaluate, and then we think about what is the the next step that we need to need to take and it sort of becomes an ongoing process but you've yeah. still got these three yeah. st these three sort of um, distinct phases that will continue in parallel but you're always sort of developing right. something well, I would, there... I would kind of invite your listeners to think more about it. it's not steps in the sequence that you kind of check off but it's really more about mindsets and, and activities that you're doing on a, constantly. Right. So you're constantly, you're constantly doing this discovering work of like listening to the environment outside, listening to your customers and understanding your customers, discovering more about your customers. You're constantly looking at, looking at your weekly metrics, seeing how your business is actually performing and getting used to what are the drivers for that? What are the inputs? What are the outputs? Um, which levers work, which wins don't um, and all that sort of stuff. And then you're trying to invent solutions to that on a regular basis. And I presume you're trying to integrate these solutions into something coherent. Like you can't just have, it's not a matter, not enough to just have short-term fixes on a regular basis because that's not really strategy. It's really like, well, what does that mean overall for our business as opposed mm -hmm. to how do we fix these individual things on a one- Yeah, one right. Day? So that's where this, this idea of you have your ambitions, you have the zoom out. So you have that, that longer-term, I call it vision or mission or whatever right, that you're working towards. So that obviously gives you the, the kind of like the guardrails within which you work, right? Uh, yeah. Or if you're on a, on a, on a strategic level, on a, on a management level, you made a decision, these are the priorities that we will focus on. Obviously, then everything that happens should be geared towards these uh, priorities. So what we try to do, for example, what we often do is then uh, you look at all the projects and all the initiatives that are going on and you kind of evaluate whether they still contribute to the priorities that you uh, define on a strategic level. Right? Yeah. Not then do we still need to do it? Right? Sometimes you need to do things just because of, of legal reasons or regulatory stuff or compliance stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, or should we maybe not do it anymore because it's not no longer contributing to the to the priorities that we we gave yeah. us? Yeah, one of the you know, when just think about this. Like one of the things that are the challenges that I often find with my customers and. Yeah, you know, what I had earlier on is like, what is a strategy? This whole question of what is, what does a strategy look like? And so coming out with this, um, uh, with you know, this is where so many people have those six strategic pillars or whatever they have, or what they have a pillars and a roadmap. And it's like well, that's our strategy. It's like, oh, I'm not sure it actually really helps. And so I was working with my marketing guy, and we came up with this analogy of the the Greek hero myth. And I think this is one of the ones right. that we connected on a, a month or so ago. Yeah, I was um, uh, curious to learn more about your Greek hero strategy. Yeah, so, so the, the basic idea here is that when you're having a strategy, it's about winning and it's about having a, a challenge. There, there exists a challenge and there exists um, uh, things that you're going and doing to win, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're going to tell it, it's basically, there's got to be a narrative there. That you can't just have, um, here are the things that, here are the pillars, right? There's nothing, no action happening there. There's no sequence. There's no, there's no adventure. There's no cha challenges to overcome and there's no way of overcoming the challenges. It's just like, let's, right. let's, let's do distribution and let's do, but you know, product development, um, or whatever it is your pillars happen to be. Um, so, so the idea here is basically that if I can take the strategy and tell it like a story and mm -hmm. I don't have, I don't have to go all this uh, quite as far as inventing 
you know the mythical monsters and shields and weapons and so on but i mean the idea is like to use the framework of the story have the have the um the the adventure like we are in this problem problematic situation here's our big challenge and here's the the real crisis point that's going to come and here's our threats in our environment and here's what's going on and then we're discovering that we have these superpowers that we have these capabilities that are unique in our situation so here's how we're going to use them to go and solve that particular problem mm -hmm. to win the battle that we have and this is the definition of the battle and here's how we're going to win it and, and basically by telling that story as a journey and your your company is the the hero in this in this journey yeah. you can then get to a point where it's like okay i actually do have a strategy as opposed mm -hmm. to i've just got a list of tasks or a list of items yeah. and if you if you do that and you have you have these, you know, often in strategies, you end up with these other things like collection, mis bucket of miscellaneous. Mm -hmm. and, um, but it doesn't fit into a narrative. So you like, you say, well, it doesn't make any sense. Why would we do that? That's not really helpful. It's not right. the core to the strategy. So having the narrative helps. I'm keen on your thoughts on that. Cause I mean, this is- Oh, cool, yeah. So there, there is a whole a whole stream of, uh, of thought around how to, to tell stories about strategy, uh, how to visualize your, your strategy. But I think that the key point is really, and, and that's what you were referring to is, uh, to my mind is, uh, there needs to be a logic. Right? There needs to be a theory behind what are we trying to do? Why are we trying to do this this way? And yeah. why do we think this is going to work? Right? I think that's what you uh, what you then put into that into that Greek hero story. Right? So you have yeah. your your goal that you want to achieve. You have barriers. You have challenges that keep you from doing that. And then uh, you come up with an idea on how are we going to solve it. And then actually you need to explain why do you think this is going to uh, these actions or this guided yeah. policy is going to help solve that um, uh, that challenge, right? And yeah. why, why are we doing it this way and not any other way, right? Because we usually you know, there are probably a dozen options on how you could go about something, but how do you? Why yeah. do you do it this way, right? But that's uh, yeah, that's the the key really. Then is explaining, telling that that story. Right? Yeah, exactly. And this is where like so we we had this strategy with a client that I worked with. And um, we could explain all those things, but in terms of making it stick, having it as a story really would help. And it, what, what I might just now, now tell the story that we sort of came up with is not in a Greek myth sort of, uh, it's, not, it's not using Greek analogies, but it's just literally the story. This company has, um, and it's just the way we talk about this is actually really similar to what I've seen in most strategy books. It's just that people don't always talk about it like a, a narrative. This particular company, was selling some sort of fashion item, let's say. And mm -hmm. um, the way that they were selling their fashion item, they're not the manufacturers of this, they're selling them. Um, uh, the way they were selling this is by by using um, uh, social media, lots and lots of social media to get to their customers and so on. And what they've discovered is that there's all these influencers who have much more market power over mm -hmm. their customers than they do. And they're mm -hmm. not really an influencer. But what they really, and so, so when they're doing this, they're, they're realizing that all that's really happening here is the influencers are getting the big, big, big bucks from the brands to sort of influence the customers. And then they tend to be much more of a transactional situation. Like people want to buy product X. So they search for product X, they find, or they find it on the social media. And this company, my client is the right people to do this. And so this is great, but it puts them in a pretty weak situation. They don't have a lot of, a lot of strength. They don't have a lot of connection to their customers. So they realized that, you know what, we used to, we started out our whole business as an influencer. We had a blog 
Um, and that was our affiliate network. We were just literally an affiliate influencer. So wow. why don't we double down on that? And rather than trying to, we, we initially, they initially tried to pair up with the influencers and sort of partner with them, but there's no interest in an influencer in partnering up with a retailer. It just wasn't that interesting to them. So why don't we become an influencer? Let's become an influencer. Let's build our own fortress, our own sort of um, uh, build, attract our own audience. And this then became the core of their strategy. So now they're investing heavily. They've been investing in media a lot, obviously, because that's the business. But now they're investing in personality-driven media and uh -huh. becoming influencers and developing their own audience, not just for the transaction, but for the purchasing process and the trend setting and all of that sort of stuff. And uh -huh. so, so but because you can tell that story, like it's in, there's the problem here, we've got right. the challenge, we've got these other players, we have a solution. And then you realize once you do that, that um, other things are not necessarily part of that strategy. Uh -huh. like, you know, setting up a marketplace was maybe a good idea, maybe not be. Um, uh, maybe it fits into that. Do, can we fit it in? Does it really help or not? You know, um, but that's really the core of the strategy and the rest. Right. Of the uh, I mean, beauty of a good strategy is that, that it helps you. I mean, we always say that strategy is about what you do, but also about what you don't do, right? And yeah. if you're clear on, on uh, what are your priorities and why are you doing it this way, then you can forget about all the, the other stuff that is just um, yeah, taking, taking away resources and refocus on, on this is the stuff that we think is really going to help us. And uh, yeah make the biggest make the biggest impact right? yeah exactly um so so that, so that was that was basically the idea of with that whole process and i found yeah. that it just seems to work and it seems to work with my own business or what i'm doing and how all that sort of stuff works i, I haven't yeah. yet found an example where a good strategy does not fit into a narrative i'm, yeah. I'm interested if, if you if you've come across any well, good strategies yeah, that don't fit narratives. i mean it's a good it's a brilliant idea and it's uh yeah, for me, as I said, it's all about that logic, right? You need to be ex able to explain that logic. And if you are able to explain that logic, then you don't need 200 uh, slides to do it, right? Yeah. Very, you can do it on one page and say, hey, this is what we do, and everybody gets it. Uh, so yeah. you can then understand it. And once they understood it, then it's very easy or easier, let's say, to also go about it in, in implementation, right? And right. it also, yeah, it's easier to remember a good story than uh, 100 slides, right? Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> it also helps with, with that, right? And then you don't need all the other things about yeah, pillars or posters or stuff. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, so, one of the things that um, uh, we talked about earlier on is different sizes of companies as well. Um, uh, mm -hmm. And I, you mentioned, of course, that a lot of your clients, when they're on the larger end, they have a dedicated strategy function or a process, or maybe they're lacking a process, but they know they need a process. Um, oh, I've just lost you. Are you still there? Yeah. My, I think my, my screen just locked. Um, and so I need to unlock this, otherwise you're going to disappear. There you are. Um, <laughs> so obviously, I've been engaged in the conversation and not touching my so, so basically, large companies and small companies. And, and my take here is not just small companies, but what I find really interesting about strategy is um, when you're in that pure innovation stage of a company, when you're searching for product market fit, and obviously you've written about innovation and, and strategy quite a lot. Uh -huh. On the larger end of the company scale, when you've got an existing business, you've got strategy and innovation sort of is about coming up with changes to that strategy or inventing new aspects to the strategy or inventing extensions to the strategy. With a small company, especially a startup, when you don't have that execution, what's your take on how strategy fits into that early stage business? Well, I think that, so in the early stages, I think it's more about, as you said, it's the, the product market fit, right? So you try to find something, something that works. But I think that then at some point, you know, you, you, you do that, you have product market fit, but then very often in my experience, the question becomes, so what, right? what are, what are we doing? Right. What is the next step? How are we building this out? Right. You get more money. Um, 
maybe you had lots of big fast growth right? but then at some point it starts to to level off a little bit you hired a lot uh during the the growth phases and then um, because you hired a lot maybe you didn't spend too much time on, on onboarding on structure and all these things and then yeah. you come to 50 people you come to 100 people and then people start wondering more about what is it that we actually do right where, where should yeah. we focus uh, we have all these different um uh, priorities and the different initiatives which are unclear so again that's where strategy then can help you to lay out what are the next steps what should we focus on i think that uh, so in well two two stories from my experience so one is that i was asked by a startup to work with them on a it's an educational startup so they wanted me to do uh, online programs and we had everything set up and we had all the uh, all the contract the paperwork was done and then they said well we changed our mind we're going to do something different right so Clearly, they did not really have a strategy, right? So they were kind yeah. of buying stuff around, and sometimes that's good to do, but then sometimes you also need to make a decision on, on how you go forward with it. So that's one thing that can happen. The other thing, I just had a, um, a client the other day. We worked with, we did a strategy work uh, for, for like three months, and they had grown from uh, five people to 200 people. So they make some 50 million in, in revenues. And because they were so entrepreneurial and they had grown out of being a startup, they came to a point where they were doing so many things. Mm -hmm. Everybody was completely stressed out all the time. Right. They had too many products. They had too many customers. Uh, they didn't even know whether the customers were profitable or not, whether the products were profitable or not. So that was a the moment. Then. So it grew as a startup into something larger. And then came the point, now we need to get our ducks in a row and we need a, a strategy to be, to be able to yeah. do that. We did the strategy work. Uh, we did an analysis of, uh, they had hundreds of customers. It turned out that really the profit is only coming from a handful. Right? So that gives you already lots of indications yeah. about where, where should you focus, what should you be doing, and all the other stuff that you could maybe um, get rid of. Right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah that, so makes that reflection and needed that. Let's make sense of what's going on in our company. Let's make sense of what's going on in the market with the customers and then develop a strategy that, that fits that and our ambitions. Yeah, so this is, this is um, quite consistent with my experience in that it kind of comes after product market fit because hmm. when you're figuring right. out doing that search process, you've really got the, whether you're using a lean startup approach or a Steve Blank sort of approach or whatever other approach you're using to, to, to do this kind of things, design sprints, whatever it is, um, you're trying to sort of test ideas and figure out what fits and figure out, is there a demand for this and what works and so on. Um, and, and, and that what you're doing there, in some sense, your strategy is defined by the approach you're taking to discovering the right thing. And that, that is the strategy. Uh -huh. um, and what you need to be careful of is not trying to over-execute too quickly. A lot of companies fail because they grow too early and too fast. Uh -huh. You need to actually make sure you really do have market fit, product market fit, and you actually really have something that matters for your customers. But on a, on a, in a sense, on a flip side of that, from my personal experience, I've in my business have been doing selling various things to different com companies for the last five years, six years of consulting, bits of coaching here, bits of consulting there, some training on innovation, some other things. We've talked about this in the past, actually. Yeah. Um, but what I found, what and I was doing all this stuff, thinking, okay, which where is my product market fit? What do I do? And, and what I found was actually exactly what you just talked about there. Focus in on where was it easy to sell things? Where was it easy to deliver things? Where was the margin reasonable? Uh -huh. um, what seems to be the most accessible thing to sell? And uh -huh. that, that I enjoy doing as well. That was actually quite an important uh -huh. part of this. But then I had a selection of like, okay, now that I've done my exploration and I've found 
some things that stick well, some things that don't stick that well. Um, I could then focus in on the thing that worked, which for me was OKRs and growth stage startups, and yeah. that's and working with executive teams. It gives me fulfillment, and it gives value, and it's it sells, and people are interested in it, they want yeah. it. So I was like, okay, well, that's what I want to do. Now I'm now I'm developing my strategy on how do I access that market and how do mm -hmm. I grow that, and that's now a different problem to what I had when I was going yeah. through the search stage. Yeah, but there you go. That's um, there you did strategy, right? So I mean, yeah. making sense what's going on, making sense of the context, thinking about your ambitions. Where do you like working? What kind of work do you like? Where do you see yourself probably in the in the next couple of years? So you see, it's uh, it's strategy, and it doesn't have to be very complicated, and you don't need. Uh, a big, a big team to be able to do it. You don't need many tools to do it. It's just asking yourself the the right questions. I think somebody somebody yeah. once said, I think it was uh, Professor Costas um, Makidis, a professor out of um, London London Business School, who said uh, strategy is really about constantly asking your asking questions and finding creative answers to them. Right? So that yeah, yeah, for sure. This process and everybody can do that. I mean, every leader can do it, and the type of company or the, the size of the company does really doesn't really matter. That's true. It's interesting as well is that by coming up with the answers to those questions, the actions that I do became much more clear. And so now I'm much more disciplined in my action and my, my work. Yeah. And in fact, I do a lot more work because I know what my strategy is. And uh -huh. so now I'm guided and I'm directed in that and I'm fulfilled because when I'm doing something, I'm actually implementing something and it's kind of working and I can see the results. Right. And, oh, good. And I don't end up spending all this time pondering my strategy. I still have ideas and distractions, uh -huh. but I don't end up spending a lot of time pondering it. And so it's actually really interesting how that relates to some of our earlier conversation. But cool. um, thanks for thanks for the time. We're coming up to the end of our end of our hour that we've we've uh, put into we've uh, put aside for this. Um, if people uh, wanted to um, uh, to get in contact with you to talk about better strategy, how to put strategy in action, how to get the company involved, balancing short and long term with the, the three steps yeah. and, and all that core question that who is the customer, what are we offering, what what we it, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> trying to summarize a 45 minute conversation in 10 seconds. Right. Um, if they want to get in contact with you, how, what's the best way to do so, Mark? So the first thing is you could uh, go to uh, makebetterstrategy.com, as I said earlier, and then uh, get the download there and then you get an email and then you have my contact details or you could go to uh, snookers.com. So it's S-N-I-U-K-A-S.com. And uh, yeah, there you find all about my work, past clients and how we could work together if you're interested. Excellent. And we'll put some of those links in the description um, uh, to this podcast. So you have a few of you go through there and find it. If you'd like to get in contact with me to find out more about what I do on OKRs and helping executive teams to execute their strategies, um, that's where I specialize. If you can find me on LinkedIn, Richard Russell, you can subscribe to my newsletter on richardrussell.co, or you can and, and you can also on that website book a call to talk about your needs in terms of whether an individual or a company with OKRs and execution and leadership. So thanks very much for your time. Uh, thanks, thank you, Mark, for your time. Thanks everyone for listening in. Um, uh, Feel free to share this podcast with your friends. Uh, we'd love to, love, to share, love to share this if you find it interesting. Until next time, thank you very much for listening and scale well. That's all for today's episode of Brave New Leaders. Thanks for joining me. I hope you found the topic insightful and thought-provoking. If you enjoyed this episode, give me a like and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss it. If you have any questions, feedback, or ideas for future episodes, drop me a line at mark at Remember, the world of leadership and strategy is constantly evolving, so keep pushing the boundaries, taking risks, and embracing change. That's the path to becoming a brave leader.